Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. As usual, I'm joined. Uh, I'm joined by my able-bodied co-pilot. You know him as Austin Ward. I know him as Awesome Ward. Awesome, welcome once again to the Tim May Podcast, my man. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm ready for takeoff. Keep your hands off the controls, though. This one's mine. All right. Uh, just monitor the uh, the avionics for me. No, I'm just kind of I'm messing with you, man. You know that. The bottom line is we're we're in the weirdest summer I think I can ever remember for college football. Uh, the name image and likeness thing is out of control. It does appear, uh, and we're going to get into this in the second part of my podcast because the uh, the uh, first part is going to be punctuated by a conversation with Urban Meyer, the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars or some people know him, one of the winningest coaches percentage-wise in the history of college football, former head coach at Ohio State, Florida, Utah, and Bowling Green. But I digress. Uh, bottom line is um, we're sitting here as we record this because uh, we're kind of recording a little bit early this week because of holiday uh, and vacation situations for all concerned. But bottom line is as we record this, Ohio still doesn't have a name, image, and likeness bill. And if it doesn't have one by July 1, it could be the NCAA to the rescue as opposed to the other way around. I mean, just how crazy – we keep using the word crazy, but it's crazy right now, isn't it? Uh, it's bonkers. I, I can't – it's hard to even keep track of. And every day brings something different that I just can't comprehend. The, the sideshow that they put on together – in the house, uh, the Ohio house on Thursday, I just can't comprehend how stupid it was. Um, you know, this was an issue that was bipartisan agreement. It should have been a win for everybody supporting student athletes in general is a win, but in this state supporting Ohio state football and Ryan day, Gene Smith and Cardell Jones had just been in this week to make the case and say why this was important. It was so easy uh -huh. to just say yes and go on and move about it you want to do some other issues great do that do that later put together your own bills um you know we are obviously i would love for us to be talking about football again soon uh obviously urban's going to do some of that with you and, and maybe we'll do that later in this podcast but you know we're not here to debate politics or the issues or whatever amendments they put in there it could have been about anything it doesn't matter putting anything into this was a distraction they made it more difficult for them to pass a bill that everyone already agreed needed to be passed and to yeah. give athletes these rights. And as you said, the wild you know, detour here is that if you just watch last week's episode and then compare it to this one, you know, the NCA now is the one that can actually come in and seems to understand that it needs to be more proactive than it's ever been before. Yep. To keep the chaos from spreading, which July 1 – is going to be crazy. I don't know. We're, we're counting on the NCAA to do something in, in five days. That almost never happens, but maybe they will. Maybe maybe this will be an opportunity for them to, to turn some of that perception about that organization and help teams like Ohio State or, or programs in other states where the legislation can't get on the same page. It's so – it's just – it's maddening. I, I can't even – I can't even – Put it into words how stupid it was. I hate looking back in history and acting like anything can change. Just, you know, it's like arguing an umpire's call, you know, it, it's not going to change. But if the blade had gotten off its stuff and gotten things done a year ago, when it kind of targeted getting things done a year ago in, in the realm of name, image, and likeness, instead of kicking the can, I, I, I love using that euphemism because that's exactly what the NCAA does. The NCAA, like we've talked about before, is not Mark Emmert sitting in an ivory tower somewhere putting out, uh, uh, dictatorship type dictums. I mean, this is a, uh, a it's Ohio State, it's uh, Kentucky, it's uh, University of Utah, you know, uh, it's uh, the members are the NCAA. Yeah. And they just kept kicking his can down the road. I don't know if they thought it was going to go away or they just didn't want to deal with it. You know, I, like with me, it's me doing my tax returns every year. I almost wait almost always to the final <laughs> day just because I don't want to do them because I don't want to deal with it writing a check, which I always end up having to do yeah. actually two checks to the United, to Uncle Sam and to Uncle Ohio, or is it Aunt Ohio? It's Uncle Sam and Aunt Ohio. But the bottom line is 
that's what this is what you end up with this log jam you know like a, uh, a flood has flooded the columbia upper upper reaches the columbia river where they're doing logging and now these logs are down here you know near portland and they're jamming up the river and golly it's just queer uh how things go but uh you know we'll get into that in a minute uh i wanted to jump right in here and just i really appreciate this fellow coming on my podcast here he's he was a semi-regular last year uh then he got the jacksonville jacksonville jaguars job and i re- didn't want, really want to bug him but uh you know it's almost you and you and me both almost anytime you've really needed uh you know reached out to urban meyer he's almost always come through for you hadn't he and uh yeah. And uh, he's doing it once again for me on my podcast uh, just because I wanted to get his take. You know, now that he's six months in to being a National Football League head coach, <laughs> as he looks at this mess that uh, is college football off the field, not on the field. College football has never been better on the field, I don't believe. I'm talking about just the product that you get to watch every Saturday or Thursday in, in the case of Ohio State with its opener this year at Minnesota. But uh, just want to get his take on a few of those things and Man, is he glad he he took an NFL job instead of a, a, a college job, right? This uh, this is why I didn't pay any attention to the Texas stuff because exactly. I knew he had no interest in dealing with any of this right now. He he couldn't be happier with that decision. And if the NFL opportunity hadn't been there, he would still be working at Fox. He would not. He's not. Yep. Not interested in dealing with a lot of these headaches right now. Sometimes the light at the end of a tunnel is in fact a freight train coming right at you. You know, and there's. Very little, very little room to dodge in a tunnel. Hey, but without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Urban Meyer, and we'll be back to chop up what we think is coming around the corner once again for college football. As promised, ladies and gentlemen, Urban Meyer rejoins the Tim May podcast. Urban, the last time you were on my podcast, uh, since then, I heard you got a new gig. Well, what is that gig? Uh, head coach of Jacksonville Jaguars, what's up? Yeah, it's a new gig. It was a, uh, a unique opportunity that uh, I just – we, we thought was too good to pass up and we've been at it now since January and, and it is, it's a great, it's a great opportunity. I got to talk with uh, Chris Spielman a couple of weeks ago. I was up at the Detroit Grand Prix up in Detroit. You know, he now works with the uh, Detroit lions. And I asked him point blank, what, why did you want to get into this? You know, you are, you're already an analyst. Uh, you had a little radio gig podcast, all this kind of stuff. And he goes, the main thing he wanted to do was get back involved to where, you were judged pretty much finally by whether you win or lose. <laughs> and he missed that uh, uh, in his life from the standpoint of professionally. And, you know, did you miss that too? That, you know, I know winning and losing is not all there is, but just having that feeling in your gut about something being on the line. I miss a lot of things. I would say the the team is what I miss the most and. I think one of the things that made our Fox team so good is we created, we tried to treat that like a team with Reggie Bush, Matt Leiter, uh, Brady Quinn, and Rob Stone. But reality was that's only four months a year. You know, yeah. this was, you know, and, and I think, I think the challenge for me was, you know, the NFL is the highest level football. Uh, I made a decision that I'm, I won't coach college again. I'm, I, I've done that for 35 years. And I'm at that age that I know this is probably the last swing. But it, but it had to be the right thing. It had to be, you know, this owner, Shad Khan, we have the, the number one pick in Trevor Lawrence, the uh, fact that's in Jacksonville, Florida. There are so many things that were just saying, you know what, this is the right thing to do. Yeah. You know, the re- main reason I got a hold of you this at this point was I've been on, I don't know how many, countless uh, radio shows and even some TV stuff wanting to know, why do you think Urban's going to succeed? Will Urban succeed at this level? Uh, I pointed to your record. I, th- I think by this point in your life, your record speaks for itself. This is a different animal, so to speak, pro football. But the main reason I want to call you is why will you succeed in the NFL, in your opinion? Well, I think you got to put a measuring stick on what success is. You know, at Ohio State, it got to the point where if you lost one game, it was a failure. Yeah. You know, so – and I. I didn't necessarily buy that, you know, but it, it, it was reality. So Jacksonville Jaguars have struggled. They had a great season in 2017. They're 1-15. You know, I, I don't know. I have over, – over the years, I, I got out of the extrinsic, you know, outside measures of success. You know, I, I, if we maximize who we are, I, I think we have really good players. Yeah. 
Uh, I think we, you know, we drafted well. I love our draft. I love the free agents we brought in there. They're all going to be major comp- contributors, but also the core players, Miles Jack, Josh Allen, Linder. Some of those players are really good players. So uh, I'm not going to throw a number at you what, what ex- we expect to win because I don't know yet. I don't. I think I know, but I don't know until we start the season. Yeah, you know, Jake Ballard, former Ohio State tight end, and I, he was on my podcast – few weeks ago and I, we, we were talking about this and uh, the old idea of whether, you know, people keep asking me whether you can handle losing on a multiple scale. And I said, well, you know, the biggest difference between college football and the NFL, in my opinion, in that regard is you lose one game, you might be out of it in college football. I mean, that's even, even with this 12 move to 12 teams, which I'm going to ask you about in a minute, but uh, you know, when he won the, when he got to win the Super Bowl with the New York Giants, they went nine and seven, got in as a wild card. And then won the Super Bowl. You follow my drift there. There is not that you're ever going to like uh, stomach a, a loss, you know. Because if if you do, not that you're going to ever stomach a loss. Well, uh, but it, you know. But the bottom line is there is there is light at the end of that tunnel sometimes, right? I mean that is one of the big differences, right? Yeah, and I, Billy Donovan used to say it best when, uh, yeah. when he was a Florida and I was a Florida. He said. You know, we started talking about March Madness, and yeah. he said that that's really tough because you can't you can't lose. And I looked at Billy and I said, "My gosh, Billy, for the last ten years of my life, you can't lose one game." And there's so many variables like we 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 talked about before, where injuries and you know those other teams are good too. So just a completely different animal. Uh, college football, the rich get richer when you start recruiting well and things start going well, like the Buckeyes have in the last decade or really longer than that. Uh, but NFL set up for eight and eight, you know, the, the best teams get the worst draft picks or the later draft picks. And, uh, obviously the, the worst teams get the best draft picks. So it is what it is. I'm not, I'm, it's hard for many people to even believe I'm saying this. I don't really, I'm not worried about that right now. I just want to make sure our team is the best version of themselves. Yeah. I got you, man. Hey, that's what I was going to say. You're, it's your fifth, fifth head coaching gig. I keep using that word gig. I don't know where that came from in the first place. Your fifth head coaching job. What is what is even different about you now compared to those other four? Because you, I think you've you've improved the version of yourself each time, haven't you? Yeah, just a quick run through. Bowling Green was a place that needed a complete blow up culturally and, and everything, and then we did that. They were one in ten or something, two and nine. And we flipped the thing pretty quickly. Uh, yeah. We went to Utah. And they were they were okay. They were kind of an average team, and we we you know a five and seven type outfit. And we you know obviously went twenty two and two there. Florida was struggling a little bit. They were losing five or six games a year, and then Ohio State had that one bad year. Other than that, they were good. Uh, we had six and seven. This is this is a tough one. This is one and fifteen, uh, one winning season in the last decade, and. Uh, I am so into culture and so into the leadership piece of building organizations that this was a rebuild. You know, the amount of time and effort we put on things like sports performance and just changing the mindset of not just the players, because players, players are obviously it, but everything else has to buy in. And that's where our owner kind of gave us the opportunity to, we are reinvested in our players. And you, you know me very well. I've never, I, I've never understood why people don't reinvest in the most important things or players. I never said be soft. I never said coddle. I never said that. Yeah. But reinvest, reinvest in the most important people of any organization. That's what we're doing right now. Yeah. I know you too, man. You're someone who doesn't want anything to get in the way with improvement from day to day, even hour to hour and stuff. And uh, you're right. I mean, you know, all the things you've talked about there are part of it. And I, I want to touch on this. I mean, Ever since this thing, you know, of signing Tebow, for example, Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow, I would think, is one of the great culture chemistry guys you've ever coached from the standpoint of what he brings to, to a locker room, perhaps. is Was that one of the intriguing things about signing him? Sure. I, I think, you know, no one knows Tim better than I do, and he's a, <laughs> a warrior. He's a, uh, as competitive a human being as ever been around. He's a guy that uh, – uh, knows exactly what I expect. And uh, that's one reason. But 
I, every decision made at Jacksonville is about we're going to try to score one more point than the other team. We're trying to win. Yeah. If if I don't believe someone at least and once again it's a tryout. You know, no one's made the team yet. That's yeah. going to be determined in in sometime in August. Uh, but every decision we make is trying to win a game. Sure. I mean that. I, 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 I'm befuddled that people don't understand that, but I don't, you know, you, the point is he was a hell of a football player and he's all right. He figured out ways to win games, <laughs> even in the NFL when everybody said he was a failure as a quarterback. And, you know, I don't, you know, we won't go there, but I just know I can understand why you're intrigued by him. If in fact he can add something to it, you know, you remember when you had Bill Belichick talk to the, to y'all's coaches convention uh, uh, clinic, that one year, the thing that just stuck with me from got my privilege of getting to listen to that was he was talking about the thing that's toughest in the NFL is to go into a preseason camp with 85, 90 guys and try to convince all of them that y'all are all working for the same, you know, the same goal to win football games. And then knowing all along, them knowing and you knowing that almost half of them won't be there when camp is done. And I'm just thinking right now, you're even thinking about the intrigue of the camaraderie, the chemistry, the culture. How do you build that in that kind of atmosphere? Am I right? I think that's challenge number one for me. You know, I was talking to a, another friend and the reality that, you know, 30, uh, 37 are going to be gone. Yeah. And like you said, just uh, over a third of our team are going to be gone. So how much time do you spend in the team meeting room? How much time you spend sharing and, you know, uh, implementing a culture when a good chunk of those guys are gone. But I've taken the approach. I'm acting like everyone's going to be there. Huh. Um, you know, one of the concerns that I have and, and people who are close to me, um, you know, I have a relationship. I, I believe in players. And the fact you're going to have to tell them, a bunch of them that are working their tails off, you're gone. And that's devastating. That's going to, that's, that's concern number one for me. Yeah. Hey, uh, What's it like dealing with a, a situation, too, where players are in a union where the NFLPA or whatever, you can't work them too hard? You know what I mean? Uh, there are rules about the OTAs and all this kind of stuff. How much of an adjustment has that been? How much have you read the fine print, I guess, on that kind of stuff? And uh, it seems like you're adjusting pretty well as it goes along. But what kind of constraint will that be, you think, as you go along? Yeah, that was completely new, and it was all voluntary up until mandatory minicamp. Yeah, and we had 100%, 100% of our players are there. Wow. And I think um, I think we're young. I think we have a team that you know, obviously struggled. I didn't say bad players, but a bad team. And there's a lot of people that, you know, you can't take losing. And I was really impressed with – but you have to be all over those rules. And, uh, you know, there's rules like when, when guys go too hard, so we have to back guys off all the time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, very, very strict rules about the time on the field. I didn't even use, I think there's at least five practices I could have used more or five more days I could have went. But our guys did so well, I actually backed off. You know, you have some Norwells of the world that have been in the league for eight, nine years. Yeah. You know, their bodies, you need to be really respectful of their bodies. And they did everything we asked. So we backed way off near the end of uh, offseason. Hey, real quick, before I ask you the last couple of things, uh, is Luke Farrell, uh, what, what's your impression of him so far? Well, he's been great. That's the guy He's guy uh, you recruited, you know. <laughs> Yeah, near my hometown. He's a guy that uh, his football, I was talking ironically to Pete Warner last night. I saw him down in Short North. And uh, Luke Farrell is a guy that was a late developer out of high school. He's a guy that's still got his best football ahead of him. He's strong. You know, Coach Marathi and Kevin Wilson did a great job with his body and the way he looks. He's a much different player than he was even three years ago. Oh, yeah. So he's doing, he's doing really well. Uh, Urban, what was it like to be able to, like, pick your quarterback as opposed to recruit your quarterback. And like you've talked about a while ago, the, the, the ability, the right to have that first pick and then pick the quarterback that a lot of people think is generational. And of course he hasn't thrown a pass in the NFL yet. Uh, I'm talking about Trevor Lawrence, but what's that feeling like of knowing, you know, you got to pick the guy you wanted. Well, this was a generational pick for, you know, for the Jaguars. Yeah. Uh, it's really going to define my career. You know, we're, we, we studied him. He was uh, the guy that everybody wanted, number one. But what I, I hired two uh, very experienced coaches, Brian Schottheimer and uh, Daryl Bevel. 
a guy that coached people like Brett Favre and Andrew Luck and Philip Rivers and, you know, uh, Stafford. So they have a wealth of experience. And we all got together in January and took one month and said, let's make sure this guy is really the guy. We interviewed to Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, uh, Justin Fields. All three are going to be, in my mind, really good NFL quarterbacks. But his skill set is just one of the best skill sets I've ever seen for a quarterback. The size, his twitch, the ball release, you know, every, and, he's, and the most important part, he's a winner. Yeah. 34 2 as a starter at the Clemson. Yeah, his competitive, competitiveness is right up there with any of those guys, you know, and I, I'm, I'm with you 100%. You know, I wanted to ask you this. Uh, uh, when I was talking a while ago about unions and stuff, you know, uh, college football players are about to get name, image, and likeness rights. Uh, if Ohio gets its act together, I think you know what's going on there. <laughs> uh, but but across the country, they're going to get them. The, the NCAA is moving off its stuff in that regard. There's going to be – it looks like there's a chance that uh, college football players in the next couple of years across the nation could be in unions and things like this. And then there's a transfer portal where one one time, no questions asked, you can move. Not, not that it wasn't almost like that already and stuff, but – Where's college football headed, to your opinion? Is it headed into a tough place? I mean, uh, uh, are coaches like Ryan and Day and and these fellas, Nick Saban even, uh, they're, they're going to have to relearn a lot of the stuff they've done in the past, aren't they? Well, I think any time there's change, there's going to be speed bumps along the way. I'm not saying the change was wrong. You know, college football, we all got into it years ago in 1986. Uh, you were Coaches were in survival mode. You know, coaches, yeah. you didn't make any, coaches didn't make money. Um, we got into it for the love of the game and the love of the athlete and the building teams. And <clears throat> excuse me, reality is this money has changed the game. And and I can't disagree with what's going on. Coaches making millions of dollars. I see commissioners. When I saw a commissioner, you know, to see the salaries, and I think Jim Delaney got a check for twenty million dollars. Yeah. You know, and then a player. You know, you know, we we treat our players so well at Ohio State because we're always pushing the envelope as far as training table, you know, all this stuff. I I do, I am concerned it's gonna change the game. And for the worse, I didn't say that. It's just gonna change the game. I'm just trying to see that 17-year-old meet with his agent. Yeah. And trying to trying to get him to get good grades because you 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 put everything into football, and when football is gone, that agent can't help you anymore. So I just – I think it's going to change. I didn't say for the for the worse. I'm going to be really intrigued to watch it. Urban, if you had a player show up late for practice one day, but the reason was because the photo shoot ran late for his new ad he's doing for the local – Signing autographs, yeah. How, how's that going to work? Because it's going to happen, right? Well, you you know, when you start – I talked to my son a lot about this. Yeah. There's projections of people making a million dollars. Yeah. Or yeah. more. You know, Justin Fields, they said last year was a – multi-million dollar athlete and Justin feels those kind of mature grown-ups are fine. But what about the 17 year old? What about the 18 year old that's not mature? And they quit going to class. They quit taking care of their business because they're making so much money. And the last thing I'll add is the mental health of players is alarming to me because, you know, I've seen it happen where families put so much pressure on this player to support their family in the NFL now it's going to go one more layer. Yeah. There's so much pressure on you to become a starting tailback at Ohio State because you can get all this name and likeness. You know, you're just forcing people to grow up really, really fast. Yeah, crazy. Hey, last thing, 12-team playoff. It's It looks like it's coming. While they went from four to 12 is a big quandary, big head-scratcher. Four to eight would seem to have been the, 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 the right approach, at least early. But I'm just wondering you – you personally, you know, you were in the wars there when it was just the BCS and then it was the college football playoffs. I thought two teams was great. <clears throat> Four teams was was almost perfect. And uh, I wanted to get your take on it. I, you know, obviously you were involved with college football up until December of last year. <laughs> Actually, January probably. But uh, uh, matter of fact, I saw you in January. What am I talking about? It's the college football national championship game. Well, what's your take on the move to 4, 12 and I'll get out of here? Yeah, I think it's uh, the fans want it. And, uh, you know, we were on the outside looking in a few times and we made it in a couple times. You know, we uh, had to jump two teams to win the national title in 2014. 
2015, I think, was our best team yet. We lost one game by, I think, a point or three points, whatever it was. Yeah. And uh, we were out. Um, I think it's good. You know, I, I always go back to the student athlete. You know, you got 85 scholarships. When we played that 15-game season in 2014, if they told us you have one more game after that, you know, you're on fumes by that. Your players, you got to be so cautious about practice and making sure your guys are healthy because, you know, those games are going to be those sledgehammer games. You just, you know, I just, I just want to make sure they're going to take care of the players the right way. Yeah, I was going to say, and uh, Ohio State, Miami, uh, after that game in 02, there's no way they could have played a game and been the same, near, nearly the same football team the next week. I mean, because like you said, this is, this is slobber knocker. You, you could have a team play four extra games after its college, after its conference championship game. That's, that's asking a lot of any college football program, whether it's Ohio State, Alabama, or whomever, isn't it? It is, and, and that's the roster management piece. You know, I, I yep. even made a comment, I think, on TV, you need to give every team five more scholarships now if that's reality. But, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I was leery of the way when uh, we were the first uh, team to win the national title in the playoff uh, era, and yep. I was very leery of it, and they handled it great. Our players handled it great. I thought the college football playoff committee and uh, the whole logistics of it was fantastic. So – as long as they take care of the player, let's go. Make sure they pay the players and families so they can watch those games. Remember, we got that changed in 14. Yeah. We, we got that stipend because how can you expect these families? You have a commissioner of the conference, assistant commissioner, all these coaches, their families get to go for free, and the players can't. Yeah. I don't get that. Yeah. By the way, I don't know if you noticed over my shoulder here, I, I won – I think you won this award last year. I won the award World's Best Grandpa – for this year, my grandson, two and a half, two and a half year old Owen, gave it to me. Yeah, I think you're sitting in your in your daughter and uh, and, and son in law's house right now as we're talking back up here in Columbus. Are you getting back up to Columbus a lot? I mean, and do you expect that to taper off? But number two, I want you to tell me about your new restaurant uh, that's opened and and how you expect it to go, my man. Yeah, we were there last night. Shelly loves it. I love it. We uh, Chris Corso, the operator, is fantastic. Uh, eventually, we'll buy a place here again. You know, we sold our home in Mirfield. We love Columbus. Columbus will always be home for us. We have two restaurants now and uh, obviously my grandkids. And I'm yep. just disappointed you won the grandpa of the year. I thought I won it. Well, you were in, I think you finished second again. I'm, I'm, no, I think you finished second. And I know how much you hate to finish second. Hey, last thing you're out of here, who's going to be the starting quarterback for Ohio State this year? <laughs> well, I got inside information on that. I, I don't know enough, but uh, I have a, you know, I know it's a good battle. Uh, I know they're really excited about the future quarterbacks they've recruited as well. Uh, but, you know, when they say the NFL is a quarterback's game, yeah. so is college football, so is high school football, so is Little League. So whoever's standing behind center has got to be great. Ohio State, the standard that's been set here, you have to be great. Urban, you got to feel really good when you look at Ohio State these days, knowing you were part and parcel to – furthering that to building and obviously Jim Trussell did all of it. I mean, that, that does give you a warm feeling, doesn't it? It does. And Ohio state, think of the history from Woody Hayes to Earl Bruce, to Jim, John Cooper, to uh, Jim Trussell, to Luke Fickle, to myself. Now, yep. Ryan Dave, we, we've not had that. And I, I was really worried when they told us we lost nine scholarships, couldn't go to a bowl game when we just lost seven games. I thought, and I mean, to the point I got sick, that this is going to be the downturn. Yeah. You know, Ohio State's never had that. Yeah. Or every other, every, including Alabama, USC, you know, the team up north experiencing it. Ohio State's missed that. It's, first of all, it's because Ohio State, the standards are so high and expectations are high, but they give you everything you need. You got a great city, you got everything here. And he's, you know, Coach Day and the staff are killing it recruiting. Yeah. Hey, I'll leave you this last thought. You know, uh, your first home game, as a as a pro football coach, is going to be in the same stadium that was the last game for Woody Hayes. Have you thought about that? Where was the Gator Bowl? Oh, that's right. Well, it's not the same. They rebuilt the stadium. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's yeah, still I, the I same spot. Yeah. Yeah. That is. But I also I also coached six games in there uh, when I was at Florida. That's home of the Florida Georgia game too. It's yeah. a great stadium and it's a great town. Yeah. Urban Meyer, thanks for joining the Tim May podcast again, my man. I really appreciate it. And, you know, you know, I, you know what I feel here. Good luck. I, I think you're going to be a success because 
I think guys like you figure out the way to, to win games, no matter who you got and where you are. And uh, I think you're in a good spot right now to, to build a little bit of a, a program there that hadn't been there in the past. I mean, I think you feel that way too, don't you? I do. I, I, and I did. That's why I took the job. And after being there five, six months, I feel real good where we're at. Thank you, Urban. All right, Tim, take care. Yeah, awesome. Uh, I always enjoy my conversations with Urban Meyer, you know, and uh, I tried to get even get a plug in there for his new restaurant down in German Village, the German Village area. Isn't it German Village area? Am I right about that? Yeah, downtown. Yep. Yeah. But uh, the bottom line is, I think he's I think he's a happy camper at this moment. You know, he's he's O and O in the National Football League. And uh, like I pointed out, he's one of the winningest coaches percentage wise, maybe the winningest coach in college major college football history. He's right up there. But of course, three national championships. And he rode that right into this job with the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, like like I asked him and like I've been telling people, I I, I think I think anybody bets that he's not going to succeed uh, is not paying attention to history and his ability to get teams to win and and to win immediately. For the most part, he figures out a way to to figures out the buttons that need to be pushed both individually and group wise, you know, as as he says, you're strong as a unit, you know, what, 11 units strong or whatever. I get those units all uh, mixed up sometimes, maybe it's seven units. But the bottom line is that's what he's pushing again, the same agenda at Jacksonville as, he's, as he did with Ohio State, as he did with Florida, as he did at Utah, as he did at Bowling Green, right? Yeah, and he knows that it's got to be done differently. I think there's this, you know, everyone wrote, uh, not everyone, the national media that didn't cover him on a day-to-day basis, and even some who did, you know, have this belief that, he won't be able to process the losses and he'll take them too hard. And that's why he won't succeed at the NFL. That's the part that I don't really buy. I think he under, he, I mean, he's as competitive as any person that I've ever met. Um, that's not going to change, but he's not, he's known Bill Belichick for 20 years. He knows that they don't win every single game at the NFL level. He understands that the job requirements are different. You know, winning a Super Bowl and winning a national championship at college require a different path. Urban is not an idiot. He, he understands that you can lose games and get to the Super Bowl. And that's, I, so that part, I just, that's the stuff that I don't, I'm not uncertain about. I, I still don't know how it's going to work for him there because he's never done it. And it's a new thing. What you're saying is correct. He's adapted throughout his entire career and to uh, you know bet against him doesn't usually go well for anybody. That's why you and I uh, didn't do that over the last nine years, yeah. uh, picking against his Buckeyes teams. But, you know, I, I and I know for a fact, um, you know, talking with Anthony Schlegel being around there at the, running the strength program for the Jags, that it's not the same as when he was walking around the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. And he knows that it's, it's a different responsibility with professional athletes. It's a different management with um, that coaching staff and trusting those people to get it done. And, and he was already doing that at the end of his Ohio State career as more of a hands-off, well, he's never hands-off, but as more of a CEO-type leader, and and that's more than anything what it requires at the NFL level, and he understands that. Yeah, like, I, like I've told him a couple times, you can go 9-7 and seven, make the playoffs and still win the Super Bowl. In college football, the reason losses are so devastating is because one loss can take you out of it and uh, can take you out of the running. Now, when they move to 12, te- 12 games, or excuse me, 12 teams in the college football playoff, which – you know, looks more inevitable by the second the way I'm looking at it. Uh, well, maybe you can lose twice if the losses are in the right places at the right times. But uh, but the bottom line is uh, he understands, but the, he's still not going to be happy losing. But there's a big difference between ha- being unhappy losing and losing your mind about, about losing. And, and I don't yeah. think he'll be losing his mind at least early. He wants to win, though. Winning is what he's what he has always been about as a head coach. And, uh, yeah, he's not going to – what he's really not going to tolerate is uh, someone not going four to six A to B, you know, and uh, the power of the unit. I mean, he he's really not going to tolerate slackers. When you think about – there's so much attention, obviously, on Urban Meyer, the college football coach, the maniacally laser-focused guy who can't handle those losses – it's the stakes that matter there more because, again, I think it loses sight of the fact that that's not the way he wants to win everything. But he, he came up playing baseball where you're going to strike. If you go three out of ten, you're going to be an all star. You know, he's used to the fact that you can lose in certain situations and bounce back. He doesn't get devastated over losing when he goes out and plays Mirfield 
uh, or loses a golf match out at all, you know, playing Scarlet or gray. I mean, he, right. he understands that you don't win everything you do every time, but you try to constantly get better. That's you, some of these buzzwords that he's always used with, with the edge and, uh, you know, 1% better from one day to the next. It doesn't mean that you win every single time that you're out there. And there are lots of elements of his life where you can see that playing out. Didn't win every recruiting battle. Didn't mean that he quit, you know, trying to get the next four or five star guy. You know, I just, I think that that, that focus on that part of his personality is way overblown and not, it, it's not going to be something I think that keeps him from succeeding or not succeeding at the NFL level. Yeah, what's going to keep him from succeeding or not succeeding at the NFL level is going to be what always prevails in the NFL is your team making that one or two plays that make the difference in a game. You know, there's no style points in the NFL. It's all about W's and L's. And I think I think that suits him more than any, more than anyone. You know, it's and you know we all remember 59 to nothing against Wisconsin in 2014. Well, you know what? If it had been 42 to nothing, would they have edged TCU and made the playoffs, Ohio State? You, you and I don't know that, do we? Well, think about his last game at Ohio State. Uh, if if he wanted – he didn't want style points in the Rose Bowl, really. He just I mean, wanted the W. He just wanted the win, and he wanted to get out there, and he wanted to protect that. Like, I I think, that, again, that's part of his – he's willing to be flexible in those situations, do whatever it takes to win. So, um, again, and this isn't a prediction. I don't know what it's going to be like. I don't know if relying on right. Trevor Lawrence right away as a rookie. You know, I don't know. I'm fascinated to see – what happens in Jacksonville, it's really, you look at it, it's probably the most entertaining, uncertain situation uh, for any team going into the league. There'll be a ton of eyeballs on it. You and I will both be watching it once we're done with college football weekend and turn on a Sunday afternoon. Um, I know that we'll be paying close attention to what's going on in Jacksonville just to see because because I don't know. But yeah. to automatically rule it out, I think is crazy. I agree 100%. Hey, real quickly before we run out of time here, because we're trying to keep this one uh holiday type short you know people have people got to put on uh, sunscreen and get out to the beach etc um spencer's earned that by the way yeah spencer has earned that for sure he's uh the glue man or as you call him chives uh, he's one of the more underrated uh, fellows i think in local media but i digress uh, i think he appreciated that digression uh, but the bottom line is you know we talked about this before uh the interview with urban uh, is there going to be a name, image, and likeness bill passed, emergency bill passed in, in in Ohio by the time July one rolls around? I I don't see how at this point. And they carved out, took away the emergency clause when they were dealing with their shenanigans on Thursday. Yep. I think they've attached it to other bills, the gambling one. I think you know I was talking with Allie about. <laughs> uh, the coverage for that, like all the different ways that now that they're trying to get. I don't know. I mean. You and I desperately want to talk about football, and this is not a, po a political show. I, I don't know. I mean, I've learned more about it. It's like crazy. You go back 15 months. We had to learn all this stuff so that we could talk about what's going on with COVID and testing and, and you know epidemiology and all this other stuff. And now we're learning name, image, and likeness, and you're having Luke Fedlum on all the time, which he's now got a partnership with Ohio State. And now the political process, and this is going from the House, and this is going back to the Senate. I, I don't – you and I know a lot about a lot of things, but we're not experts about this. We cover college football, and it's like it, it just drives me crazy that we're we're getting really close, like we're three weeks away from going back to Indianapolis and having a Big Ten media days. Yeah, and this is the thing that we're having to. Well, that's what's going to dominate. That's going to dominate there. I mean, you know, what's Absolutely. Wisconsin going to run on third and four? Nobody's going to care, you know. But we've <laughs> gone from COVID to chaos, you know, kind of. But you know what? That's another I'm, song for you. Yeah, by the way, I'm gonna have Luke Fedlin in my own. Yeah, he's a fan of the he's a fan and a uh, a friend of the uh, Tim May podcast. I'm gonna have him on again la, later in the week uh, because we're gonna he was out of town when we were talking about this earlier when the, all this uh, mess hit with the Ohio House. But uh, uh, obviously, this group, the Anomaly Group, is going to help you know help Ohio State athletes steer steer their way through uh, the what could be landmines and potholes of this name, image, and likeness if in fact it ever occurs. And it does appear like we just pointed out, uh, you just pointed out, the NCAA could be the the savior on the white horse coming around the corner to give everybody an image of likeness by July 1. Here's the thing, though, that as you more that you think about it, more, why is July 1? 
when you think about it, so critical to the name, image, and likeness, as opposed to like if everybody gets their act together by August one. What? Why would July one matter except for bragging rights for the state just gonna become active in? I believe, uh, for example, Florida. I think it becomes active July one. Uh, I may be wrong about that date, but but why do you think July one is so critical? I mean, I don't see July one as being as critical as some people think, except that it gets people off their rear ends and gets it done. Yeah, I, I think that's the key that you hit on right there, Tim, is that other states decided that that would be the date. There were others that were trying to institute it right away earlier in the spring. And like, whoa, let's let's try and get everyone on the same page, which, as we've obviously seen, is impossible. But, you know, that that's it. You just set a deadline on it so that people would start acting uh, because otherwise, as you've seen, and to borrow your phrase here, NCA has kicked it kick the can down for so long. No, well, they would have, they prefer to never act if they don't have to. Yeah. Uh, but that's not the situation that they're in anymore because these others, I think, what is it? Six or seven uh, as at the time that we're talking have already said, this is we're going to do it. It's July one. Now, as long as Ohio gets it at some point from either from the state or the federal level or the NCA coming in. And I think what's important to recognize about the NCA situation is that, they're, they're not granting necessarily the name, image, and likeness rights, at least my understanding, is they're just saying we're not going to punish anybody for it. Yeah. It's already legal in some places, which, again, is something that they could have done at any point. They could do that right now. They could have done it 20 years ago. Um, it doesn't, again, we can't relitigate that part that's in the past, but um, you know, they still don't want to put their own rules in place. They're still counting on the federal government and state governments around the country to do that for them, which is again, a big part of the problem. But as long as on July one, by July one, the NCA says, we can, we're not going to punish you. You can do whatever you want. Schools can make their own rules. Uh, that's not the ideal situation, but it's one that would keep Ohio state or Ohio or Bowling Green or Cincinnati from falling behind, you know, a month or two, uh, yeah, but here's, you know, here's what's interesting. You know, if, if you're if you're a player <clears throat> and you come up with a deal with somebody, you know, is and, and you don't have that, you don't have these this law passed in your state, is the compliance department gonna have to like get the get the details of your deal, study it, send it to the NCAA for approval? You know what I mean? I mean, what are they going to uh what are they going to waive and what are they not going to? I mean, you know, that's why this is so as I brought up with Luke Featherland last time he was on and, and I brought it with others, even you and I've talked about this, the fact you have to have a law, you have to have laws to allow this is just bizarre, you know, uh, exactly. and I understand guidelines to protect student athletes, but, you know, you, like we talked about, you know, why can't, a, why can't someone who could buy a beer uh, do an ad for a beer company? You know, I mean, think about it. You know, if uh, if you've got signage up in your stadium, wherever it is, uh, about uh, about beer, why why can't a, a student athlete then you know do a deal with like alcohol? They're just kind of protecting these student athletes, but they're kind of like covering themselves too to a certain extent, you know, with with the rules. But I mean, when you're 19 years old and you were 19 years old and going to the University of Wyoming, is that where you went? Yeah. You know, you could have done anything you wanted off, you know, other than long as you got your studies done. And uh, and I understand, we all understand, the star quarterback's worth a hell of a lot more uh, than Awesome Ward, you know, walking down to the uh, local grill and getting free cheeseburgers. Uh, hey, so, being the sports it, editor of the Branding Iron was a big deal, buddy. Well, of course right? it was. Of course it was. And there were rules and stipulations. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Everybody, though, has rules when they work for somebody. Yeah. Uh, when they're part of an organization, you have rules, even in the NFL, as we've said a million times has things you can and can't do, you know? And uh, so you got to have rules or you just have pure, as a, my favorite word this summer is chaos. And uh, <laughs> I'm just, it's just curious that, you know, to think that something's going to slide right through, streamlined bill is going to slide right through like a place like the Ohio House and Senate with no addendums, no amendments, no whatever, no pork, as the old saying goes, and just slide right to, I guess the governor has to sign it. Is that how it works in Ohio? I'm not sure. But uh, you ought to have line item veto uh, uh, power on something like right. this or when crazy stuff gets added to it that has nothing to do 
with name, image, and likeness for college athletes. And we know what was added to it. We don't, we, we don't need to get ad nauseum into that, but Ohio State made it pretty clear through a spokesman that Gene Smith and Ryan Day were for the bill as it was passed through the Senate, not the one that was added on to and amended in the House. And uh, so we'll see where this goes. Hey, before we finish here, um, give me one player. I like, to, I like to talk about football a little bit. on Let's this do it. Yes, let's go. Give me one player you've got your eye on on the defensive side of the football for Ohio State, which is going to be ranked in the top three to five of the country, you do believe, in yeah. preseason rankings. One player uh, that people don't know about right now and, and somebody you haven't named before that you think is going to rise. And don't don't say Josh Proctor. Oh, you know, I was going to use that name. He's already risen to a certain extent. Give me one player that's got to come through for Ohio State, either as a starter or as a primary backup. Yeah, I think uh, Teron Vincent has to be uh, in the mix, heavily involved for Ohio State. You know, you look, uh, I know we talked about Tommy Togia's decision around the NFL draft and what it would have looked like for Ohio State if he came back and you had him next to Haskell Garrett. Uh, what a dominant front that could be. Uh, again, you give the benefit of the doubt to Larry Johnson in all circumstances when it comes to defensive line play. And he's got five, you know, four or five options where he can plug in uh, you know, to figure out what he wants to do. He's not going to have, I don't think, someone with Togi eyes, you know, strength, prowess, you know, the ability to move and, and make plays even from sideline to sideline. Uh, but just a space eater like that. I, I, you look at Teron Vincent, he's not going to be that same kind of guy. And, uh, We'll see exactly how that plays out for Ohio State with what Larry Johnson wants to do. But this is a – he was the number one defensive tackle recruit in the country. He was a five-star. He's got NFL genetics, uh, you know, got that flowing through his blood. And he's just dealt with injuries. It's really set him back for a long time, and he hasn't been able to, you know, give Ohio State what it expected now going into, you know, three years down the road. Right. Uh, but now they really, really need somebody because – that's a big hole. And it, I feel like we've had the same conversation maybe three years in a row. Like, boy, what is Ohio State going to be okay at defensive tackle? Is somebody going to step in there and, and fill that void? Well, somebody always does. And it's usually a veteran. It's it, it's often been guys who've had to be patient in the development of their career and put on weight or get healthy or uh, just simply have an opportunity to get in there. And yeah. those, those have clicked. And I think it's Teron Vincent's turn. That's funny because I was going to say Antoine Jackson only okay. because he is, I mean, just the, the, I like the way he talked at the end of spring or during right. spring. I just, because he gets it now, you know, he, his head was spinning when he first showed up at Ohio State when he transferred from what Blinn Junior College after being at Auburn for a year. I think I've got that right. Yeah. Um, that sequence, that timeline. But the bottom line is uh, there's a guy that really p- people thought was going to be one of those studs defensively a defensive tackle in the Southeastern Conference, okay? That's the kind of quality player people thought he was about. He's been banged up with injuries and stuff. Maybe maybe a little forlorn about maybe having to wait his turn, too, to a certain extent. Who knows what all goes into it. He just talked so eloquently about getting stuff done between the end of spring football and the beginning of preseason camp, which means he gets it, you know? Yeah. He, he definitely gets it. Uh but the, really, the guy I want, the guy that, you know, who's going to be that other corner opposite seven banks? Is it going to be Cam Brown? That's that's what I've got my eye on because I think this can still be a pretty has a chance to be a better defense than a year ago, especially in the pass coverage wise. If they can solidify what's going on opposite seven banks in in that cornerback spot, and so is Cam Brown going to be healthy enough? I mean, after that Achilles injury he suffered last year, I think it was at, at the Penn State game. Uh, yeah. That's what I've got my eye on. The best thing for me about this uh, busy June camp season was that Ohio State. Yeah, you were, you were doing this, weren't you? You were looking off. I would – I mean, I wasn't just looking over. I would just walk over. Yeah. You know, there was, you know, guys throwing. I mean, because that's what my concern is. Yeah. You know, we had we had four other people from Letterman Row out there anyway. So um, to, to me, June was a really good fact finding month. Um, and I watched I watched and don't tell anyone. I, I mean, I spoke with Cameron Brown several times in there at the Woody and he looks 100 he, he, percent doing doing the workouts, running, cutting, 
one-on-ones uh, as they did their, you know, their voluntary workouts and those things that they were doing on the side. Yeah. And, and I've talked about him for a long time. I mean, he, he tests as one of the fastest players on this roster. He's now had several years to transition to that position from wide receiver, get comfortable playing it. Uh, and that, and he's, that means he's also had the same amount of time for Mickey Marathi to develop, you know, really his upper body. He's gotten much stronger. Um, you know, I, I thought that he was underrated as a significant loss for Ohio State, that it happened so early. I think that by December, you know, it had almost been forgotten that he was a starting caliber corner and the most experienced really um, at the outside position because Sean Wade was coming from the slot, but but still a veteran proven guy uh, who had been off the bench and played in big games for Ohio State. What a significant loss that was. Yep. It was almost forgotten. And getting him back then is just as meaningful. And I think that he will be out there and you put those two together. I look at both of them as NFL caliber cornerbacks. And I think that Ohio State, Kerry Combs, will have a major bounce back there in that secondary. Yeah, some of the challenges Ohio State dealt with last year, you know, and, and then that they dealt with going into that Alabama game were totally underrated, uh, in my opinion, uh, for all kinds of reasons. Like I said, though, people – I'm not one of these guys that likes to look back and go, man, if this, 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 and this had happened, they, they did, you know, because you're not changing anything. But you are pointing out facts that uh, that did basically lead up to Ohio State facing its worst nightmare defensively against a team with the Heisman Trophy winner and wide receiver <laughs> and a quarterback, at least on that day, was pinpoint accurate. And uh, and it uh, it came to fruition in, in the wrong way for Ohio State. But uh, – yeah. Yeah, I mean, they've they've had a spring now. They're going to have a summer, and they're going to have a preseason camp that gets them ready. And who knows, by the end of that preseason camp, some of these guys may be doing advertisements for somebody <laughs> with name, image, and likeness. Who knows, right? Is that going to uh, alter? Is that going to change the uh, fate of, of this college football season, whether you have an NIL right or not? I don't think so. But, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll be discussing that through the year. Um, the, you know, this is getting to the point to where – COVID was for you last year when you just didn't want to talk about it anymore. Remember that? <laughs> That's what name, image, and likeness is turning into, right? That's it. Yeah. Well, you know what? We're not going to talk about it anymore, at least today, ladies and gentlemen, at least this week. Uh, for my buddy, Awesome Ward, thanks for joining me again, Awesome. This is Tim Always May with the Tim May Podcast. We'll see you next week.